you have to speak it into existence. Tell everybody, I'm going to college. I'm going to make it. So you speak it out loud enough. You start believing it. And moving. Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Ken Harvey, former NFL player, esteemed author, motivational speaker, and the host of You're Going to Know Commander's Justice podcast, joins me in the studio. We recently met in the green room at Fox 5 DC and hit it off. Ken made such a positive impression that I had to have him on the show. I so appreciate that he made time for us at Relatable. We talk about it all, his rise to fame and post-career transition. He's vulnerable, honest, and shares a lot of great insight. How does fear play a role in his life? What was the pivot point that made him return to high school after dropping out? And what is the best advice he has for his younger self? Listen in to find out and enjoy this episode. Totally get it. All right, so are you ready to get started? Yeah, <laughs> This is like for you. You've been interviewed so much that I suspect it's like super easy. No, you know, like you're so used to. No, no. You're on camera I, I, all the I, time. I, I, I think you think more of me than. Ah, uh, not true. I, uh, not true. Oh, I, uh, I mean, I get interviewed some. Yeah. Uh, not as much anymore, and you know, after a while, it's kind of like, you know, is it? Is, if it's a cool interview, then I'm I'm cool. I like to have fun. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing yet that I feel like oh, that's the interview. That Except I want. wait for today. Except after for today, today, you are gonna think you, this was the you, one. You actually jumped the gun. <laughs> and, and said it, so. You gotta dream it, wish it, and do it. That's right. Dream it, wish it, do it. Yeah. So we met. I think it's fair to. This is a great. I talk a lot about networking. Okay. Uh, in terms of the the work that I do and people. We talk with a lot of entry-level students, like uh, entry-level talent in terms of graduating from college and work, going into the workforce. Uh, I actually do a lot of workshops with people, you know, that are that, that are employed already and kind of thinking about how they navigate navigate their career. And a lot of people talk about networking and how hard mm-hmm. that is. So I feel like we should start with what I think is a great example of networking. So you and I were both on Fox for different reasons, mm-hmm. and we started chatting in the green room. Mm-hmm. And you were super easy to talk to. And then we started right. talking about our interests and, you know, what we do. And, like, before we knew it, we're like, hey, let's stay connected. And I said I had a podcast. You said you had your podcast. And it was a way for us to connect. And then after that conversation, I mean, you're well-known. You are you have a certain uh, expertise in terms of being an NFL player. And you're asked to do things all the time. So for me, to reach out to you following that conversation, I was a little nervous. Like, I'm like, gosh, is this going to be annoying? Did he really mean it? Like, does he really want to be on? Was it just in the moment? So for me, it was a little nerve wracking to reach out. Really? You never showed that. I know. <laughs> but then you were super responsive and kind and said you would come on. So I think it's a good lesson for people to put themselves out there, to be a little vulnerable. And the networking thing, it wasn't like I went into that studio that day thinking, oh, I'm going to network and find somebody to right. interview on my show. Right? right. So I think it's good for people to hear real life stories of how this stuff works. Yeah, no, I, you know, that was, that was one of the things I, I wish 
and I probably wouldn't took advantage of it. And I, and I think they do a better job now. But when I was playing football, mm-hmm. there wasn't any teaching of it. It was, this is a great opportunity to network. Or you should go network. Or you saw it on TV. But no one taught what networking was, right? And so you didn't know, like, how to talk to people. If you didn't have a focus on what you wanted, you know, no, there was no one really to kind of help guide you as to what's the focus of the conversation or how do you have a conversation or what's the natural flow you know so then you yeah. stand in the room and everyone's talking to you but you're kind of like okay well, talk. but you walk out there in the room you may have a bunch of cards but if you don't know what to do with those cards act on those cards then you have a bunch of cards yes i got, I got a box full of cards <laughs> in and i think what was great for us i mean you're you seem fairly comfortable in that situation but i also one of the things i tell people all the time is find something in common you can find like if you were to look at us on paper you and i in terms of who we are in our careers you no one would think they have a lot in common right you just look at those two people and think oh they're super different at the same time through conversation we were able to find a lot in common so i think that's what what do we have we have a lot we have an interest in developing young talent Uh and helping other people uh, become good leaders, right? We have an interest in entertaining, I think, and informing others. And then we have an interest, I think, in having uh, good conversations. Like you and I, in a in a in a like very short time, started talking about real stuff in terms of like yeah. transition out yeah, of football yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. So I feel like you wouldn't know that, right, until you and I actually had a conversation. You're good. You're good. <laughs> we both wrote so, books, and we both wrote books. Yes. Okay. So here's what I learned about you. You tell me if these things are right. Yes. Depending on where you got it from. Some of it is from Wikipedia. Okay. So here's what I know about you. 11 years in the NFL. Correct. uh, Outside linebacker. Correct. You uh, played at UCAL Berkeley. Yep. You played for both the Cardinals and the Redskins, now Commanders. Correct. You you played from 1988 to 1999. Is that right? Or vice versa, 87? 99. I went to training camp, 99. Okay. Stop All right. Four-time Pro Bowl. Yes. Uh, you wrote and did some video work for the Washington Post. Correct. Is that true? You have written the following children's books. The Leftover Games, When Chocolate Milk Moved In, and The Fridge Games. And you also wrote a book in 2019 called Come Find Me. Okay. So... Are those right? Is that right? It's right, but it's... it's let me kind of... So it's it's called Life in the Fridge. Okay. It was, was the title. And then there were the subtitles. So Life in the Fridge, When Chocolate Milk Moved In. Oh. Life in the Fridge, The Leftovers, Locked in the Fridge. I forgot the other one. Come Find Me. Come And then Come Find Me uh, was actually the first book I wrote, first children's book I wrote. And Terry Crews, who's now America's Got Talent, did the artwork. Uh, oh, he, was, cool. he was a linebacker. He played linebacker for the Commanders, Redskins, and was my friend. And Aww. so he did the artwork, and the reason was just I wanted my boys uh, to see themselves as a character in a book. And it, during this time, this was 20, oh, 25 years ago, longer, when the kids came home and they were like, you know, there's a contest on TV, and if you win, you get to be on TV. But he's kind of depressed because he's like, but there are no characters that look like me. So it just made me realize wow. um, people, you know, how your kids can see something that you take for granted. But you really don't realize, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I was like, God, I want my kids to see themselves. But any other kid reading a book to see themselves. And, and so, it was, you know, it's a simple book. It's kind of like hide and seek or something like that. And Cruz did an amazing job with the artwork. I mean, just amazing. But it was like it was their book. And then about four years ago, we 
added augmented reality to the book. So you can download the app and you can put your phone over the picture and the picture will come alive on your phone. As oh, you go cool. Through the pages. Yeah, so so did that. Uh, there's actually a lot more children's books. There that was, you've written? Yeah. So there was a book uh, called Brothers of the Storm because mm-hmm. I wanted to do three books for them. I wanted to do when they were younger, when they were in their teens, and then one as an adult. Second one was Brothers of the Storms. They're like, you know, control the weather mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But that's uh, one of them. Then there's one called The Me That Needs to Be, which is kind of like financial literacy for kids, young kids. Wow. I'm working on a couple of more now. And then I had, I wrote two thriller suspense novels and then a book about my, oh my life. gosh. And so the book about my yeah. life was my journey. It's called um, Stepping Stones. In the beginning was the word. It's kind of the beginning of how my journey to the NFL the thriller suspense is called Xavier, A Hero No More, and another one's called Alone. Uh, Xavier, Hero No More was about a former football player who was accused of a crime, who kind of committed and didn't commit. He killed two people in a car accident, but he was drugged, didn't realize he was drugged. Mm-hmm. And and so everybody's automatically, ah, oh, you know, you're guilty, you're a bad player, blah, blah, Everybody already slammed the door on him but a detective who idolized him growing up was like my hero would never do anything like that so he starts investigating and ends up helping solve this crime the other one was called alone and it's about four women and a young boy 14 year old boy stranded on a deserted island and all the issues that they went through like lord of the flies you know who's mm-hmm. in charge who's in position and 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 i wrote it in the voice of the woman of a woman just kind of, i was trying to see if i could do it uh-huh. um but it's more I think it's more about the psychology. Like it, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, you're going to deal with the same issues. And as much as it is, and it should be, women's equal rights, you still got to be careful that those rights comes with the same burden of are you going to be a good person? Are you going to be, you know, whatever? Yeah. Because power is going to be power. People are going to fight and deal with the same issues. And so they, they all try to raise this young man, but they bring their junk with them. And don't realize it. So what they think is a perfect man, he ends up, his name is Frank. So he's like subliminal. He's their Frankenstein. He goes ah. up and becomes their Frankenstein. So so that's kind of the story. Did you, were you always a writer at heart in terms of when you think about your own, like prior to nah. to playing? Or is that nah. something that came? So I was, I'm a dreamer. Uh, ah. I, I was to the point of probably too much. You know, the reason I played football is because I was sitting down watching TV all the time. My parents were like, you know, get your butt up and <laughs> get out the house and do something, right? Yeah. That's back in the day. Yeah. And so that's how football came about. But I'm still a dreamer. The whole, you know, just looking at TV all the time. And then the story with my boys, that was kind of the beginning. It was like, okay, you know, instead of complaining about it, do something about it. So that was the first book. And then after that, it's kind of like, let me see if I can do this and do that. And because I was a quiet person and pretty shy, writing was the outlet. You know, you can take a sheet of paper mm-hmm. and you can create a world. And it's like, wow, you know, this is this is cool. And the world can make sense to you. Or, you know, I spend a lot of my time just watching people and observing. So you're kind of like, you know, okay. That's, so you can that's human something. behavior. But I wasn't, a, I wasn't a best speller and all that stuff. So thank God for technology. Take, technology uh, and editors. They're very well, helpful. Well, that's the, that's the one thing that you realize is that uh, even with a lot of the self-publishing companies, um, a good editor is worth their weight in gold. And Absolutely. there are a lot of companies that, that, and I'm speaking from experience, that will publish your book and do a kind of a halfway job of editing Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I got my first two books, the ones I told you about, they have a lot of errors in them. And so now you're embarrassed of the product. 
because yeah. or someone reads it and be like, that's a good story, but you're gonna go through so many mistakes before you kind of like, ah, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to read this anymore. And yeah. so uh, it's and so it's really important to find a good editor that can kind of guide you. Maybe the chapter's too long. Maybe they see this and they see yep. this pushing that way. That's super important. And that's something I, I, I regret that I didn't do that uh, that I'm trying to do now as I, as I write more things. I think it's all learning, right? You're just, you know, you're putting yourself out there and it's a yeah. learning process. Well, so sure. it, it's learning. And that's a great point because I, I, I looked at it and I beat myself up a lot about it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's, it is. It's, it's it's your perspective. You can look at it and say it's failure, or you can look at it and say, oh, you know, it's learning. How can I get better yeah. from it? And so it's taken me a long time to, to retool and to look at it from a different perspective. So now my goal is to write a either another book or I've written some screenplays mm-hmm. uh, and to to make my screenplays into reality. That's kind of my, my dream. One of my dreams. I love it. I love the dreaming and I love the energy around, you know, a lot of people that have had the success you've had or, you know, are so, you are so good at something that not many people are or have the opportunity to do. A lot of people just hang up the old shingle after that and say, you know, I did my thing. And so the fact that you're uh, out in the world engaged in a lot of different things and doing a lot of different things, I I think, is interesting. So so I don't know if it's, a lot of people hang up the shingle because they want to, or is, is it more because of fear and you mm. don't know what to do? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that had been my problem. It's like, you know, you want to do a thousand different things and you want to believe that you, just because you were good at one thing, you're going to be automatically good at the other. And you forget the, the steps and the journey along the way. And so you get discouraged uh, that it isn't automatic or you feel used or you feel, you know, sometimes you feel, you feel used. You play sport and everybody wants to take advantage of that point and, so if you don't have what you want to do or you don't know what you want to do, then, yeah, it's easy to kind of throw your hands up and then you get used to the pattern of just throwing your hands up and saying, OK, I'll take whatever is given to me mm-hmm. instead of dictating this is where I want to go. And this is what I want to do. So for me, I mean, I, I've been all over the place and I've tried a thousand different things and I'm still on that journey. But the faith and the one thing that keeps me going is the belief that, okay, it's it's never too late to find what that thing is that you're searching, that you're trying to do. Or the very thing that you're looking for may be right in front of your face, and you just have to see it from a different perspective, just like we talked about. So that's where I'm at now more in my life is seeing it from a different perspective and saying, okay, this is it, but now these are the tools I need to get to there. How do you feel about like it's interesting because you have some distance from it. What when you think about your relationship with football at this point, is it good feelings? Do do you have like a positive you, you know memories and good feelings about it? Is it is it mixed because of of exactly that of of what that period of time is and it's so intense, right? And you kind of burn really bright in that time and then post that and we'll talk a little maybe a little bit more about that but what yeah how do you feel about it when you think about it now and you have it a little bit in the rearview mirror so one that's a very intelligent and thoughtful question <laughs> um, thanks ken yeah it always it always makes a person <laughs> feel good when you say that right <laughs> even if it's the dumb, dumbest, dumbest, dumbest question in the world <laughs> it was a very thoughtful and intelligent question <laughs> um, so so football for me i mean i have no regrets it was like yeah. the greatest thing you know for me to tell the story, you have to kind of go the backstory. Yes. So I was dropped out in high school. 
from dropout in high school, coasting, you'll lose, you'll lose all your life. And then having that moment where you're on the brink of, you know, if I die tomorrow, nobody will care. So you can try and, and, and not being successful, thank God. But then having that moment where everything turns around and you got to focus and you have a belief, you believe that God's like, you know, you got a purpose and a destiny for your life. And so you have that moment. But in the back of my head, it was always uh, that very thing that that drove me to sports was once I stopped and said, I'm going to go back. I'm like, I'll never quit again, never quit again. And then you go to the point of stopping playing football and it felt like to me, I quit. Mm. So that was kind of depression. But you're around everybody who's like, oh, you still look like you can play. Oh, you still look like this player. So it was that part was hard. but. The, the reality of football, I mean, how many people yeah. in the world get a chance to, to play in the NFL? How many people get a chance to have an 11-year career? How many people get a chance to be drafted in the first round? How many people get a chance to do the things that we've done with our kids or with my wife? You know, how many people do football right now? I, I coach this congressional football game, and we, we, we have all these Congress members running around playing football. How many people get that chance? How many yeah. people get a chance to go internationally to talk to people overseas or meet with the military? I have no regrets from football. The wear and tear, even the, the, the bumps and bruises. Mm -hmm. How many, you know, does a fireman regret you know, maybe getting burned because he was doing what he enjoyed doing or loved doing or a policeman. No regrets. My regret was that is that post-football, I didn't see it for what it was and, and saw it as a as, as more shame because I quit mm. as opposed to opportunity to do whatever else, else I wanted to do. And like I said, life is, is about perspective. It's, you know, and I think for me, Big as I am, strong as I am, and all that stuff, fear ruled my life. And, you know, you can be the biggest and the strongest and, and best-looking person, but you can be scared to take that first step, scared to to to, to hear no, scared to say no to somebody. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm people-pleaser. Right. And, I, you know, I'll try to help everybody out. Because I, I was, like, always, like, man, it's, I was so blessed to be in this position, and a lot of great people helped me out. I wanted to help everybody else out. But then you get to a point where you realize you can't help out the world. You, you can help what you can help, but you can't help everybody. And you'll burn yourself out or you'll get resentful or you'll get whatever. And I went through all those stages of resentful, yeah. angry. And then you realize, you know, sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to uh, set a focus. And, and, and if something veers you off that focus, you have to go back to it. So. I think Sorry. boundaries, right? That's probably boundaries. Good word. Boundaries I get, are hard. I give a thousand words for your one word. No, it's hard. Boundaries. It's hard, like at any stage, and you start as you mature. I think we're we're near the same age, and I think as you as you approach. No, you're a lot younger than me. <laughs> I wish that you're was still the case. A baby. But uh, I think that you, that's one of the great things of age and the benefit of wisdom is the idea of like, oh, I can set a boundary. I can say no. People are still going to like me. People are still gonna, you know. True, you but, know, but but it's hard. But there's some people, and, and you like said, myself included, you can be 80 years old dealing with something that you were dealing with when you were 13, and if you never grow or you've never had the people around you or if you never had to learn, then people automatically assume that you would grow because you're older. Yeah. But it doesn't happen, right? And so you know, like when people point the finger and they look at the, some person and say, "Oh, you should know better," but if you're never taught better, 
How are you going to know better, Absolutely. right? So I, I see a lot of old, older people who just by virtue of their age, yeah, they may slow down, but they still may be dealing with some of the things or they get to a point where now it clicks over and they think, I'm too old to dream or I'm, I'm too old mm. to do something or I'm too old to do whatever. And it's not so much that it maybe you have to adjust it. But yeah. yeah, it's in your mind. Can we talk about that pivot moment? Because I think that is such an important thing. Which one? When you talked about when you were dropping out and you had a pivot moment of saying, actually, this is my purpose. Yeah. Can we? The reason I want to ask about that is I feel like, one, my hope, I mean, it's hard because not a lot of young people listen to podcasts, but my hope in this podcast that I do is that young people listen and they hear from people about these moments and they understand if they're in that moment, they're not alone, or they can be inspired by a choice someone made that they didn't think they had. So that's, I feel like, and and I do think a lot of us in our, you know, formative years have these opportunities and we don't necessarily think to talk about them. So if you, like, what was it about that time or how did you get to a point where you started to feel like you had some gifts to offer? Check out our TFA Soft Skills YouTube channel for video interview highlights. Please subscribe and leave comments. We are sharing new video content regularly. Take a few minutes to check us out. TFA Soft Skills on YouTube. Well, so a lot of times, young people, old people, whoever, it's maybe belief in yourself or having a focus, right? So for me, when I dropped out of school and I had that burning bush moment, it's my tattoo, mm. <laughs> Exodus 42. I had the burning bush moment and I was like, you know, God, just give me a sign, a purpose. Mm-hmm. Tell me something. And it felt like to me, God was saying, you have a purpose and a destiny. But that was it. You know, not, not what I'm supposed to do, with, you have, but you have a purpose and a destiny. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be doing something. I'm supposed to be doing something great. So then if you break it down in steps, First step is is sometimes you have to go back and humble yourself, right? So I had to go back to high school, you know, drop down and go back to high school. Or before that, you actually had to have a plan. My plan was I wanted to go to college because I wanted to prove to everybody that I wasn't dumb. But being a dropout in high school, next step, you got to humble yourself. Sometimes you have to when you when you're trying to go to those goals or whatever it is, you have to humble yourself. So. You know, I'm 230 pounds, muscle bound, and I'm in high school, and you're going back, and you're the biggest person in the classroom, and everyone's looking at you like you're dumb, and but you have to kind of face some of that and deal with it. Then, then, then the next step was that you have to, um, you have to have a vision, which my vision was I wanted to go to college. Then, sometimes you have to get away from the very place that you're at because it's too easy to have those same habits and hobbies and whatever. Sometimes you have to create a different environment. Although you have to change your mindset, but still sometimes it's easier if you stay in that same environment. So for me, you know, uh, and I'm skipping steps. That's okay. For me, I I had, we had to leave. And I say, Louis, I, I, in between the process, you have to speak it into existence telling everybody I'm going to college I'm going to make it so you speak it out loud enough you start believing it and it's not so much the things appear magically but but they do in a way because when you start speaking it you start opening your eyes to it and people start hearing it so I meet a guy in the gym because I'm telling everybody I'm going to college 
And when you tell some people, they're like, well, how are you going to go to college? You, you know, your grades, you, you, you just graduated high school and your grades are horrible. Uh, you have no money. No one in your family's ever been to college. How in the world are you going to go to college? I'm going to college. You tell me. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to college. Met a guy in the weight, in, in the weight room. He's like, hey, you know, uh, I know a junior college in, in California. And uh, they're trying this their first year and they're looking for players to, to bring on. They can't pay you anything, but, you know. If you want to go, they'll, they'll be willing to take you. So, speaking into existence, go to the junior college. You got to leave the environment. Because I knew if I stayed home, it'd be too easy to make mm -hmm. up excuse of why, why yeah. I failed. And too easy to fall back in that whole failure thing. So, go to California. And that journey coming back would be so much longer if you know that you quit, right, and gave up. So, then you have to train. You have to work. Uh, and it's like everyone said, oh, you just were a natural athlete. At night, I will bust my butt and train on the playground. You know, you may not have the best equipment yeah, and all that right. stuff, but I'm training every night, and I'm saying to myself, I'm going to be the best, got to be the best, got to keep going, never stop, keep going. And I'm training, and, and I'm just going. And so you're turning away stuff. You know, let's go to the party. You know? uh, but I wasn't a party guy anyhow, but you're turning away stuff, and you're, you're improving on the other stuff. I'm training, I'm training, I'm training. And so, uh, and is that all like your, it sounds like it's very much like your own, you're self motivated, you're self driving, and it's on your own. Are you training with other people? Like, so I was on my own. I, I did it by myself. But as I've gotten older and you look back, yourself can only take you so far. Mm -hmm. Then you have to go with others. Yeah. So, so yes, yourself can push you until I go to Oakland to go to this junior college. Then I'm there, and there are several times that, you know, I wanted to quit. There were people there around me that always supported me. So then it became uh, the coaches were like, hey, man, I'm really proud of you. Uh, or, or they'll cook a meal for me when I'm starving or, you know, do stuff like that. Or players who you play with would, would push you and, and, and keep pushing you. And you watch them, and you thought what you had was bad, but you see a guy working three jobs and then coming to practice because he was trying to find a dream that may have long since passed him, but he's busting his butt to try to live in his dream in a junior college. What did I have to complain about? And so you just start watching people. And so, you know, you get to a point where it's not you. Now it becomes the coaches. It becomes the people around you. It becomes a support group. Mm -hmm. um, but like my youngest son said, no one's going to help you if you don't get out the car and start pushing it. You know, when you get out the car and push it, people will run up and try to help you. But if you're sitting in your car and you just have a flag, no one's going <laughs> right. to probably stop by and help you, right? And yeah, so you have to be doing your you part. Got, you got to do your part. You got to work. They got to see the work. And so I, I, I tried to bust my butt, but as I went to junior college, this was, you know, it wasn't me. It was a lot of people around me. Then I met my wife at the, at the junior college, ended up getting a scholarship to Berkeley, which, you know, Religion or not, whatever your belief is, for me, it all worked out. God had kind of put things together in the sense that. At, I mean, you didn't just go to college. You went to college. That's a great well, so school. I, so I go to the, I go to the junior <laughs> college, and then I go to, I get a couple of schools that want me to, to play potentially for them. Yeah. University of California, Berkeley is right there. Now, in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's a guy who's a linebacker who's going to, it will be his senior year, and it will be my junior year because now you come from junior college. Mm -hmm. But he's a linebacker, and he's a great linebacker. This guy named Hardy Nickerson. And all the scouts would be looking at him. But because he's a linebacker, if they're looking at him, they would have to look at me. And so I'm like, you know what? 
maybe there. And then you say, well, my girlfriend's here. Oh, well, maybe there. And then, and then to say, oh, and this is one of the top universities in the country. So a big F you to everybody. <laughs> Boom. So all of a sudden, you know, it, it all laid out together. So you go to University of California, Berkeley. And then you also have to realize that along the way, there are a lot of things will happen to try to detour you and stop mm. you from achieving whatever you're trying to achieve, right? So, so many times, you know, my ankles were so messed up that I could barely walk a straight line, put so much tape on it. But during the time of your troubles and issues, if you look back, those are, those are things that can take you forward to train you to be what you're supposed to be so when I was practicing saying I'll never give up I'll never quit I'll keep going keep going when my ankle was hurting it's barely hanging on keep going oh this guy he, he won't quit he won't stop uh, when 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 some of the struggles and you're going without food oh this guy won't quit he won't stop you know, he'll keep going I mean I donated blood so you can have money to eat some raw eggs drink this back in the day with Rocky <laughs> before yeah. a game so that you can play so that you can survive, that you have enough energy to play. But it was all based off of some of the stuff you did when you were in your part of where you thought maybe in failure or you had your focus or you were in your training. It all kind of played for it. So then you go to the University of California, Berkeley, play there. You know, people thought, ah, you know, you're a good player, but Berkeley's not known for football. You, you should do well. You know, you should get drafted, but you know, I don't know if you're going to get high. And we had our last game was in Washington. No, it was in Japan. We played Washington State in Japan. I was the most valuable defense player there. Then I went to two post games, Senior Bowl and East West Shrine. I was the most valuable defense player in both of those. Then I did well in the combine. Mm -hmm. And so my stock kind of went up. But once again, this is the help. There was a guy named Ken Norton Jr. who um, no one, you know, they didn't tell us back then what to do. And the combines weren't as big. So I had on these big old awkward looking tennis shoes and he had some track shoes and he let me borrow his shoes to run. So my 40 time was so much better because uh, someone sure. helping you along the way. And, uh, and so I did well at, at the combines. Then all of a sudden I get a call from, from the Cardinals. But before that, I got a call from the Giants, went to visit them and they were like, I ain't too small to be a linebacker. We don't, we don't. And I was just so pissed off because you don't know, <laughs> right? Because you don't know what you're going to be. And like I said, there was a lot of things that will come at you and try to detour you. But I ended up getting drafted, 12th pick, first round. Going, um, I promised I was going to be security for this uh, boxing match. Did that. A big fight breaks out in the boxing match arena. Everybody's down there. I'm like, I run in down with my best friend. We run down the middle of it. We're trying to break stuff up. Guy gets thrown under my legs. I'm on the ground. He pulls me up just as we leave. Someone gets stabbed. <gasps> this is after I got drafted. I'm like, you know, oh so, my gosh. So the enemy is, you know, you say enemy, things will try to deter you and stop you from achieving what you're supposed to achieve. Uh, I go in and, and, and I fall on my knee because I'm playing basketball. And this is right before I go to camp and my knee is swollen, but it's not enough to you know, be out there. But it's pressing against the nerves. So I couldn't feel anything from my from my knee down. My ankle was rolling half the time, but I didn't say anything to anybody until like the first couple of days and just told them I got hit. Cause I, you know, I don't want to be that player who, yeah. And, and so, uh, and so that could have ruined my career. I go and all I did in college was pass rush for the most part, but they wanted me, they were saying, oh, you're too light. Cause back then they wanted big linebackers. Uh, 
And I was like, I'm a pass rusher. You know, let me go against your guys. Mm-hmm. And every day in practice, another lesson. Every day in practice, I'm like, let me go against your guys. Let me go against the best guys. Let me go against your line. You want something? Sometimes you got to show it. Boom, boom, boom. And so I'm like, when they finally let me go against them, I try to be strong every day in practice. <laughs> And uh, we'll beat the best linemen in practice. And so they finally let me be a pass rusher. Now, that's, that's how my career ended up being really 11 years. But then, once again, you start looking at rewinding the tape in your life. And there were a lot of those offensive linemen who every day would be like, hey, you know, this is what you need to do. You know, the guys that I would beat would teach me along the way. You know what I think is so interesting about a lot? First of all, thank you. Because I think the detail and the sequencing and understanding. I'm trying to make a movie about yeah. it. It's well, there you go. documentary. Yeah, no, right. so we're yes. on our way, right? Yeah. Because I think what, what I think happens, especially, I mean, I have three young boys, right? I, I mean, all of us do this, though. You see someone, and I was talking to you as you came in today about looking at your highlight reel, and you look at that and you make all these assumptions about that person that's able to do those things right the naturally gifted athlete or the the naturally like just you know shredded dude or the you know and i think the detail and the sequencing and the idea and as you were talking i'm i'm sitting here thinking there's there's a reason that like that one percent or whatever i don't even know what the real percentage is in terms of yeah it's not even a one percent right Because of what you described mentally, the combination of what you endured both mentally, mentally, physically, and this is to me the other piece that's so dependent on you as an individual is your ability to be open to the experiences that are being afforded to you and then and then listening to those people when you get there. So for example, like when you go to Oakland and you're in that scenario and you start to say, yes, I'll take help from this person or yes, I'll believe that person or I am going to, yeah, I know that I'm doing my part, but I'm able to, to take advantage of these opportunities. The strategy that you thought of in terms of I'm going to be seen if I go to Berkeley, it's maybe not the football college that people are you know right. looking at, but I just think that some of those details that people can gloss over are important as as you tell your story and as you're sitting here like I'm a corporate person by by like my trade in terms of how I've evolved and a lot of what you talk about translates to to life in the corporate world it's the same thing with respect to putting in the time putting in the discipline you know being deterred having people tell you no having people tell you you're not good enough and saying I'm gonna figure out a way to find my purpose, to see what I'm supposed to do here, be open to people giving you feedback. You know, it's just interesting. I, I love to draw the... It's great. I mean, I, I, I speak at corporations. Yes, in, in bed. You're, yeah, you're a public speaker uh, too. But also, it's if you don't learn that lesson, you're doomed to repeat it again. Mm, in, yes. In different ways, different formats. Yeah. I've unfortunately had to repeat. Me too. Or <laughs> still learning that same lesson. So as I'm talking to you, I'm listening to myself saying, oh, you know, ah, that's right. You know what? Uh, there's no magic formula, but there are things that you have to understand, right? So yes. um, as you're saying, I need to see things from a different perspective. I walled myself off because once I stopped playing, the identity was there of being this football player. And I always thought there's so much more. I'm so much more. And everyone saw me as a football player but the danger was that I I listened to what everyone else said 
or I tried to run from what everyone else said. You're, you're a football player. You should go into sports or you should be a coach instead of saying this is what I want to be and focusing on it and working on it. So the same principle that mm-hmm. I should have had back then, uh, I yeah. didn't apply it post football. Yeah. So then you just then you start a cycle of you can go downhill because now suddenly your uh, your identity's gone. You're trying to figure out what you are and you're fearful and you're trying to figure and you start going down a hill. And then you start walling yourself off from people. You don't open yourself up or you don't trust people or you don't listen to people. And so now all of a sudden you're, you're kind of going and you're going and you're going and you're going. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're walking dead. I mean, I always, my life is like TV shows, you know, <laughs> you're the walking dead or, you know, you, so it may be a title I love it. from somewhere. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but Not that you're walking dead. No, but I no, love but, the, but, I but, love but, the, but yeah. you are, right? So there are a lot of people walking dead, you know, they live in a society and they're, they're existing, but they're not doing or fulfilling what they're supposed yeah. to do or what they want to do. They're not, they're just existing. And I've spent so many years of existing. And then you, then you get to a point where you're older and you're kind of like, God, is this it? I'm closer to 80 than I am to whatever. And that's only, that's, that's only 20 years or so. And you're like, okay, and you've seen people at 80, and you say, God, <laughs> the clock is ticking. But then you see some people at 80, and you say, man, they're energetic, and they're still yeah. moving. And you say, it's not too late to find what that is, but you still have to do some of these principles. And, and before I go through the whole thing, the center of it was, was, was you know, trusting God for me. I, you know, I, I'm very, very, very far from that mm-hmm. at times. And you try to run away from it and you try to escape it and you try to figure out, if, you know, if I put this down on the book, these are the formulas and steps. But that very thing, whether you believe in God or not, even with alcoholics, you have to have something that you see that's greater than yourself right. so that you know when you in your own mind and body can't do it anymore, you know that for me, God is stronger than that. For, for me, God is like, regardless of how far you strayed, regardless of how much you've messed up, regardless of where you're at, I'm still here. I'm mm-hmm. just waiting for you to come and say, you can't do it. I can't do it alone. So, you know, here I am in my life now. I've done a lot. I enjoy speaking mm-hmm. um, because I, I know, like I said, as a kid, those seeds that were planted in me are, are seeds that you know I've held on to for my life. And you can hold on to good seeds or you can hold on to bad seeds. Yeah. I enjoy speaking. I've done some of the dreams. You know, I look back and I say, man, I got a chance to go to NASA. I've got a chance to That's talk right. to I some think of the I astronauts. Saw, yeah. yeah. And, and Wikipedia says I, I train astronauts. Yeah. <laughs> but we, but we, me That's and a friend cool. of mine, we came up with a term. He came up with a term, you know, space, well, the space tourism back then, space tourism. Yeah. Uh, but he called it, uh, what do you call it? Sport. Spoilization. <laughs> Using sports in every area so you yeah. sports in space and, and when people go into space they will have to be in shape and train you know ultimately your body will gravitate the longer time that yeah. you're in space the more you're gonna have to train so you know that may be a niche market for that and and even in, in the point of it we created a game i he we i created this game we called it float ball it's called flow ball now and it was supposed to be played in space but now i've taken that principle and applied it to an earth version of it and still working on it to create this game that people can play. A game you can play physically mm-hmm. or you can play virtually, but a bridge. And that's kind of where I'm at. So cool. every once in a while, I look in the mirror and say, what are you doing? You know, 
Well, you know what it is? I think you're at your heart. I mean, as, as you're talking, as we talked the first time we met, I think you're an entrepreneur at heart too, because you, you, you saw call it a dreamer, which yes. And yeah. then I think it's just the idea generation and the ways to be creative. Right. I so, so here's the difference. The dreamer comes up with the dreams and has these great ideas, but doesn't apply principles mm -hmm. to those dreams. Mm -hmm. Those doesn't apply to things we talked about, the hard work, the, the knowledge, the, all those things, you don't apply it. So it, it's a dream and it can be the greatest dream in the world, but it's a dream. The entrepreneur says, okay, well, I got this dream, but now I got to go out and find the money or I got to write the business plan or I got to mm -hmm. do the work and I got to do all that stuff. And they put all the that unsexy together, stuff. the unsexy <laughs> stuff. And, and so yeah. I've, I've spent most of my life being a dreamer and you, and you realize, okay, now I got to do the unsexy part. So just like you with the yeah. podcast, right? Yeah, we the unsexy part is what people don't see. You know, the people uh, got to get the lighting right. Maybe your first podcast didn't look so well because the lighting wasn't right, right or the chairs aren't or up high had, enough. You or forget or to hit record. You forget to get to hit record. And you've done this great <laughs> podcast for 40 minutes and you yeah. sit up there like, son of a guy. Now we have two things recording just in case. <laughs> but you've learned. Yeah. But yeah. The, exactly. the, but that's the part where, you know, if we go back to my story, the yes. part where it would be, you could either take it and say, you know what, okay, now I learned from it, or you could say, dang, I didn't, I didn't do it right, and you quit. And that's what a lot of people would do. Can I ask you a right. question about, it may be hard to answer because I think it's so individual. I am so curious about this with elite athletes, and I feel like there's something that you have that us normal people, if we could figure it out, you know, the idea of like pushing through pain or to your point around kind of that other gear of like your knees, you know, borderline blown out, or you can't, you can't do another rep kind of a thing, right? Whatever that is, what do you think is there the DNA of elite athletes that says, I'm, I can, I can do that. I can That's push through that. That's a great that. question. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.tfasoftskills.com for more information. It's give us the recipe. It is, and it is. It's, okay, but it's 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 vision, right? A family from another country may give their kid the vision. You're gonna be a doctor, a lawyer, and now they, the, the, and the kid wants to be a doctor, lawyer. So now every day when they're pushing to stay up and study, the parents are pushing, they're pushing themselves, they're doing all like that. And they become this doctor, lawyer, successful doctor, lawyer, because they push themselves because their vision was, I want to be that. Mm -hmm. And they've learned how to keep pushing, whether it be through family, friends or whatever, but everything around them saying, you can do this. You know, when you're, when you're ready to give up and you fall asleep and your mother come in the room and say, get up, <laughs> you got to finish it. You're going to be a doctor or lawyer. Your father, get up and you got to come home and you can't party. Some people fall under it, but some people say, you know what? My goal is to be a doctor or lawyer. And so they'll keep pushing through. Same thing with an athlete is like, my goal is to be a football player. I want to be this and that. Now you have some of the tools that you may have some genetics on your side, but in, in the same sense, you also have people around who you, that are push you. Uh, I do this thing like life lesson from the gym. Mm. If you're trying to 
do a rep and you're struggling, but you got your spotter. And he comes and it's just a little bit of tap. But that little bit of tap is what you need to get you to the next level. But when you work out by yourself, you never learn to push to that next level. Yeah. Because you never have that tap, that push, or somebody's voice. Come on, man, you can do this. There was a player that I played with, Monty Coleman, had that raspy voice, you know, what I thought a football player was like. And you yeah. by his voice alone, get it up. <laughs> you got it up, right? Yeah. And and it was in you all along, but you need somebody to push you, right? So so a lot of times people can do it, but it's finding out how to get well one, them having a vision and a belief and a focus in that vision and a belief. And a lot of it's just focus. You got this is my driving force. Then it's people around you that enhance like like potting a plant that can enhance mm-hmm. that vision. Hey, you're gonna be a doctor. Oh, you you know what? You're you're good enough to go to law school. Oh, you're good enough to go. Who told you you were dumb? You know, that happened to me when I yeah. dropped out. Who told you you were dumb? Who told you you weren't smart enough? You I see all this potential in you. Who told you that? And it can wipe away all the unbelief and you can start saying, Okay, now my vision was fertilized by mm-hmm. other people and it starts to grow. And just like a uh, plant, uh, some plants can do well in the environment. Some mm-hmm. some don't. Some may have to change. You know, some 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 people may end up instead of being this great football player because it's limited in what you can do, you may end there's up being a great so many, coach. Yeah, there's only so many slots. And, and right? it's you know, as much as it is athletic ability, it's politics. There's a lot better athletes than me that didn't make it to the pros. Sometimes you go to a team and you get drafted in the position you played. There are a bunch of people in that position and they're not looking for that position. And so now all of a sudden you're out, but you're a great athlete. Uh, sometimes it's coaches. You know, I had a coach who, who had a player, unbeknownst to me, try to take my legs out. He told the player, take my legs out and, and did it in practice and could have ruined my career. Because he didn't, he didn't want his players looking bad against me, so he did it. And and in that moment, it my career would have been over, and everybody would have just said, "Oh, you know, because football is forever going. Oh, right. his career is over with. Another another failure." But it wasn't me; it was the coach. But that second, it could have been over with, you know. Or you get you get to a team that coaches don't agree, or their system is bad, or you get where you were in the college where you were the stud because of your natural ability, but they didn't teach you technique. Now you go into pros and everybody has techniques. And this is a, this is your livelihood, this is your job. So you can be as big and as strong as you want, but now everybody's big, everybody's strong, and everybody's fast. What you thought was exceptional, everybody's exceptional. And so now you move into the pros and you're like, whoa, it's a whole different story. How much did you improve, you know, g- given that, like how much when you, cause it's such a, um, you know, you think about the genetics of it and your age and, and how much of a part that plays in being able to be successful when, when All you the play. the men among boys. <laughs> but did you, you know, yeah. did you continue to get better? It's, it, you know, even though you're getting older, with like with respect yeah. to the technique and respect to what's around you, and I, I guess there's all those things, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I worked out like a madman. And so, you know, when people thought it was easy, it's because I was in the gym. 24-7. Yeah. Uh, but once again, there were people around me who made me look diet. much better, right? Didn't diet at all. Yeah. Not, it was a diet. Did you eat whatever you wanted? Yeah. You I, did. I burned like 
because I practice as hard as I would play. So practice, I'm running, I burn thousands, some calories, a couple thousand calories every day because I'm practicing just. Uh, but once again, good people, I'm interviewing a guy on my podcast today. And Ooh. I'm all excited because in the Pro Bowl, I'm playing, this is my first, This is, I think it's one of my first Pro Bowls. But I remember this guy who's another linebacker in his Pro Bowl. And he's like, yeah, man, just drop in the middle. They're they going to throw the ball right in the middle. And I listen to him and I drop and this was my first interception in a Pro Bowl. I catch it and I run it back for a touchdown because he told me that. And it's like, this is who you're going to talk to today. This is who I'm talk to today. Uh, and I'm so excited because I just want to thank him because yeah. it was just like, he's a good guy who it wasn't selfishness. Oh, I got to be the man. It's how can I help you it. and us be better? And it was just so cool. And so I, I say that to say, you will improve. I mean, I improved a lot but it's a lot of good people around you when i came to from the cardinals to the redskins it was a year after i had tore my acl and my rotator cuff on my shoulders Jeez. and i had a strength coach here with the uh with the redskins who through his program and it was you know you started with the cardinals but through his program it really intensified my strength and it helped me get back on path and so well, while I played with the Cardinals and, and got my injury there, I got my four Pro Bowls here mm. with the Redskins because of the training stuff that no one sees. And so one is him, the yeah. training program, and then two is me and the willingness to do the program mm. uh, and push through be the program. Be open to that and be coaching. Open to it. Yeah, every time you say that, I keep thinking about myself now. I'm like, God, I need to be open to coaching. You know what's funny about it, too? Yeah, I was thinking about this. And as a, as an executive coach, one of the things that, that when we work with clients, you know, when people get stuck, right, you think about all of the discipline that you're talking about yeah. in terms of being an athlete and yeah. all the things that you had to do to make that happen. It applies to oh, no to doubt. these goals now, too, which is it's just a different thing. And I, I wonder for athletes, there's such a not always for every athlete, but what the world you're in, like if I do these three things, I will, my muscle, like I will get bigger. Like there's such an immediate response to the work that you're doing and you are already in an elite space and then you're getting, you're getting game time. You're getting a good paycheck. You know, there's all this positive reinforcement coming back at you to say, yeah, what I'm putting in, I'm going to get out. And it's this reciprocal. I think you're, you know, over once you leave the NFL and you're trying new things, it's not as immediate. It's not as reciprocal. It's not as like, I put yeah. in this much and I'm getting this much back. And that's when you have to really dig deep on the intellectual side or on the, you know, it's yes, not so much the physical side. You have to find out, like there was a guy, I forgot his name. I'm trying to remember, I was trying to remember his name, uh, but he wrote a book, but he was talking about the finite infinite uh, game. Mm-hmm. Finite game, you have yes. rules, regulations, you know the certain time, you know the period, and that's football, right? Or sports. Yeah. Four quarters, one season, but it's finite. You know, within that time frame, these are the things I have to do to master that time frame. And you play somebody in this game, the game, and you know, and after a couple of hours, the game is over with. Infinite game is life. And if you don't plan for the infinite game and you play the inf- you play the finite game like the infinite game, then the pieces don't match up. So now all of a sudden you're playing for a short term thing, but but the long term affects you because you haven't prepared for it. You don't know the yeah. enemy. You don't know the situation. And, and that was me, my life. 
And so you have to start readjusting and saying, okay, I'm playing for the infinite game. And because of the infinite game, there are no rules. And this is a long term. And it, it may not even just be for me. It may be for my family's generations and stuff like that. Then you see things from a whole different perspective. I got lost into the finite game of sports and I played by those rules. And you have to change those rules to say, okay, what is my infinite game? What is what is my legacy? What is what are what are the things that I have to work? And yeah, I may have to sacrifice XYZ now to get to this later. Yeah. Fortunately the NFL's done a lot better job now of, they're help, of transitioning. They're help, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so you know it'll pay for your college, it'll pay for your school, and different things like that. And so it's easier to to find that and move on. But you know, one thing, regardless of who you are, it's it's still if you don't conquer some of these things, that fear of taking that first step, that fear of looking like a fool, that fear of being embarrassed. Yeah, fear is a big one. Yeah, and I sure. say that a lot because that's that's where that's been my big big thing. Nemesis. But here I am on the field, taking on 300 yeah. pounders and throwing them to the ground and enjoying it. You know, this, is, <laughs> this is me. I feel like me. But then you realize the reason I can do it because I was prepared, because I had trained, because I did all that. And so when you don't train in yeah. other areas, then you don't feel confident and then you don't think you can do it. And so uh, you have to train yourself um, daily and to your belief. Let me ask you this question. It's kind of a strange transition, but you know, I think as we talked about before, I'm super passionate about soft skills development. And and by soft skills, I mean communication, influence, collaboration, public speaking. You know, there's a lot of us that are spending time developing, strengthening hard skills. Like, so for you, the hard skills, is at least when you're an athlete, right, it's, it's very clear what those are in terms of being able to tackle, being able to run fast, being able to be strong. Now, in terms of the hard skills of you writing books, right? That's obviously the technical aspect of writing and editing and all of that. But you do a lot of, yeah. But I'm interested for you, and it's I'm trying to pick like where would I go with this question, but maybe more generally speaking for you, if you think about soft skills and how they've played a part in your life and how they've been able to help you, sure. which are the like, you know, one or two that you would highlight here? Well, so one of the greatest things ever, my junior college coach was like, Everyone needs to take a speech class. I don't want anyone to be on TV and not know how to talk. So I took that to heart. I took a speech class. Starts, you know, at least on TV, I, you know, I, I knew how it wasn't shocking to me because a lot of the TV people were jerks, you know, some, at times because they would, everyone's trying to get their story, their story. to make themselves mm-hmm. this man because they got that story. So they come at you with some crazy questions. And so you learn techniques on how to speak. And then you start realizing, to me at least, it's, you know, What's the worst can happen? They never invite you back again. You know, I, I try to use that mindset. Or you try to find a couple of people in the audience. There's always someone, one or two people in the audience that are going to nod their head, whether they're falling asleep or not. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah. But they're nodding their head. And you're kind of like, no matter what happens, that's my rock. I'll go back to it. I'll look around. I'll mess up. But then you'll see that person. You're like, it's okay. You know? Yeah. And so I had to learn those techniques uh, of speaking. My hard thing had been one-on-one conversations. I am horrible. I, I'm, I'm better now, but even if it's to maybe sell something, I'm not as good or having a conversation. I can I can wing it for a minute, mm-hmm. but it's like, we'll talk, and then I'll just kind of sit there like, uh, I'm going to go get some drink. 
they're kind of like, ah. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know what to say because I don't know what to expect. And I, and so I'm trying to get better at that because that is a soft skill. I and mean, even know how to talk to people. And so I'm getting better at that. But like you said, I, my wife thinks I'm good at it and enjoy it. And I do at times, but I'm still, it's, it's, it's a work, it's a journey. And yeah. even when you go to events and you have to do the whole networking and all that stuff, at the end of the day, I'm ready to go to sleep because it's, it's I won't say it's acting, but it's, you have to rev yourself up yeah. to be that person than not. And, you know, it's I, like going to the gym. It's like going to the gym, but, but from that, you know, I, you can get into some dangerous habits because of that. Like I said, you can start drinking to relax yeah. yourself, right? The crutches. To, mm-hmm. to, to say, okay, well, I'm be relaxed. And the conversations may flow a little bit easier, but then you can drink a little bit more. And drink a, it can become a habit, right? And I, I've tried it, you know, just to loosen myself up. Never to a point where I'm just overly drunk, but it becomes, you can see how it can become easier and easier. Mm-hmm. So you have to just start learning to figure out, like you said, you know, who are you? This is your room. This is your world. And enjoy it. Own your space. I read this one book, Do the Hard Things. I think it's mm-hmm. called Do the Hard Things. And it was talking about, I don't know if it was control, but it's talking about sometimes you feel like you don't have control. Like in that in a room full of people and you're talking to somebody one-on-one, you don't have control. Uh, you've given up that control. And a friend of mine told me a long time ago, he's like, if you know someone's name, but they don't know your name, they now have control of the situation. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's... So little things where you can... If you can grasp a little control of a situation, uh, I think there was a speaker, a military guy, who talked about the greatest thing is to wake up every morning and you make up your bed. Yeah, that's like yeah. But it's the foundation of it is that you want to have control over something in your life, something that's a structure that you can always go back to. That's your control. When people were Holocaust survivors and stuff like that, the ones who survived were they would get up and do a routine because they had control over their routine. Yeah. A lot of kids, young people feel like they don't have control because society's telling them one thing. Maybe their parents are telling them one thing. Maybe every little thing in their life, they feel like, I don't have control. And this can be adults as well. And they're trying to figure out what's that control. And so right now, I'm going back to writing because that's the one thing that I you feel, like, you I feel like I have some control over. Okay, so as we... Sadly, as, I could as, talk as I, to you. As I stop talking and <laughs> no, you like, I love it. I you love it. Roll, I roll your eyes like you don't like to talk. <laughs> I know I believe. <laughs> no, I love it. I think the thing that people forget in the networking context is if you are there to be someone that's listening to the other person, if you're there to just be someone that's, it's not always about you in the moment. And if you can yeah. put your energy on the other person and be interested in what they're saying or try to find that thing in common, it just takes the pressure off and it allows for an exchange. I think when we get in those situations and we're nervous, then it becomes about us, right? So the more often you can make yeah. it about the other person, it just becomes easier. Because you've seen, t- you seen on TV and it's like, you gotta make that sale, you gotta do that. And, yeah. and so you think that's what you're supposed to do and you realize some of the best salespeople, the ones that they gotta... feel like they're your buddy. You yeah, know? You for sure. You talk to them and then just, hi, what's up? So before there's two things before we go, I just want, what is the name of your podcast right now? Because I want to make it's sure. called you're going to know uh, Commander Justice. <laughs> it so, is awesome because we, I've checked it out. I love your role in it. I don't want to see. I don't want to like I want people to go check it out. Kind of, kind of like a sports game show. It is kind fun, of though. And thank you're you. like the gavel. I love all of it. Thank do you have a robe now? 
We have robes. I we want have, you to. We, I, we've you always had get the robes. robes. Uh, I love we'll, it. We'll uh, do it. But that that was real quick. Sorry. Yes. That was that, a that was a four or five year journey. I thought of that four or five years ago. It's a great concept. I even filmed some of it some here and there, and it had always been put off or try to get somebody else to help me do it for me and all like that. Finally, like I had to learn, like like my son said, and, and until you get in the car and start pushing it, no one's gonna help you. And so put it together and had some good people around me. So now we're doing the show. So it's it's I'm more excited about that because we're doing it. And, and it was something, yeah. It was something, it was a dream. But now instead of me expecting everybody else to help the dream come true, I'm doing it. But I have a lot of great people around me. That I love me. it. Yeah. All right. So as we kind of come to a close, one of the things I love to ask people, and you've, I think, already shared some of this along the way, but I, I am interested if you might have something specific as you think about it. So I ask people if you were to give advice to your younger self, kind of put your arm around young Ken, just to make the path a little easier. You know, I, I don't, I think everyone believes that the path is the path and things happen for a reason. So I'm not suggesting otherwise, but it's really more about giving your wisdom and knowledge today. Yeah. And you have kids, right? So yeah. you could almost put your kid in that, in that scenario. Save my money. But uh, <laughs> save money. Yeah. So, so, so it's interesting. If save money, but it wasn't so much save money. It's learning how to not being fearful. Cause same thing. If you don't, mm -hmm. you're fearful to say no, and you don't feel like you have ownership over your money, then you're going to let other people do stuff with your money. If you feel like you have to help the world, you, you stop helping yourself and you're fearful of your money. I would, so it's more fear, not, not being fearful with my money than anything, because I had a good contract. I had some great contracts, but you're living on this dream. And so when you have money, it's easy to give money instead of instead of doing the work. It's easier to give the money instead of having to say no. Instead of uh, it's easier to do all of that stuff. And if I had to go back over time, I would say to myself, Ken, this is your money and you have to start thinking long term. You have to start thinking your kids future, your own future and with the money that you have. If you set it up, you're going to have to say no to people. You're going to have to say no to your family. You're going to have to say no to people with the great invention and ideas. You're going to have to say no to yourself uh, with, with the things that you want to do. You're going to have to put yourself on a budget. I would go back and do that part because I did. And there are a lot of repercussions from that. And so now, you know, I cars broke down half the time. But once again, you got to draw the line where you're at and say, this is where I'm at. And now this is where I'll start from. And who knows what can happen. So Anything's possible. Anything's, I, I could do a podcast here <laughs> in this room and it could be the greatest thing ever. That's right. It could, it could be your best interview ever. And, you know, and, uh, and because the soft skill was that we just met and you felt comfortable enough to talk to me. That's and right. And here we go. So some, some of the things, just like when I was talking about in the gym, how mm -hmm. I kept saying, I'm going to college, I'm going to college. And all of a sudden, some appears. You don't know what that thing is going to appear it could be right in front of your face just like us meeting because know, so you fun. you took the step and invited me here and i took the step. now that you're in my orbit i'm not letting you go yeah, <laughs> it's such a pleasure to meet you thank you'll you so much. you'll never see me again <laughs> <laughs> you're like, where is this guy <laughs> no thank you no, so thank much you. it was thank a you. real pleasure thank you i, I really I appreciate it. you this is, this is fun
Thank you so much, Ken. I loved how you talked about starting with the vision for yourself, saying it out loud, that it's never too late to find out what you're searching for, and that you yourself can only take you so far before you need others to help fertilize. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and to Hannah for your support. A big thank you to our relatable community. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe and rate us on your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.